Greetings, Retreat Church. Thank you for joining us today online with uh, all that's going on in your world today. I pray that the Lord is leading you and guiding you and helping you to make wonderful decisions based upon truth and accuracy. And uh, I trust that you're keeping yourself safe and uh, blessing those around you. You know, as you're turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 40 today. And to get us started, just want to tell you a little news flash. Um, you know, I've learned very little from affirmation. In fact, it could be said that I've learned nothing from affirmation because you don't change. When someone affirms you, okay, you're, you're not changing. You, you had the information, you had the knowledge, you had the belief, you had the perspective, and, and now you are in a position where, yes, what I thought to be true has been affirmed. I have confidence. I feel good. It's positive. Life is great. I don't have to change anything. I just have to keep moving forward. I've been affirmed. And uh, we all, from time to time, need to be affirmed, don't we? Um, we need to be affirmed when we're correct. We need to be affirmed when we're on the right path, when we're doing the right thing. We, we, can, use, we can use affirmation because without affirmation, um, we tend to get bogged down. We start doubting. We start um, losing hope. We start... Um, having a, a diminished level of courage in our life. So affirmation is very, very important. But um, when we seek affirmation at all cost, or we provide affirmation at all cost, if there's something to learn, if there's a perspective that needs to be changed, we'll never do it. We, we, will, we will never have um, understanding. We'll never have things explained to us if all we get or all we give is affirmation. So though affirmation is extremely important, um, there are times when we need to seek something else. There are times when we need to give something else. There's times when we need a better explanation. There are times when, when we just don't know where, you know, I think you would agree with me that we don't want our doubt affirmed, right? Um, at, least, at least I hope not. I mean, if, if I doubt someone cares about me, I don't want that affirmed. I want to learn different. Um, if I doubt God cares about me, I don't want that affirmed. If, if, I, if I doubt um, the fact that I could succeed, I don't want that affirmed. You know, I want someone to change my mind if I think that I'm going to fail, if I think that, that, that maybe I should just quit and give up because I stink at whatever I'm doing. I, I hope that that's not affirmed. I don't want people coming up to me and say, well, you know what, Paul, you are right. You are horrible at that. You just need to stop. You know, I don't, I don't know if I, if I want that. What about if I'm in confused? What about if I'm confused? What about if I, if I need somebody's help explaining something to me because I just don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm lost. And, and sometimes we feel like that, don't we? We, we, we just feel lost. There, there isn't a perspective to affirm or there isn't a, uh, a belief to affirm or an idea to, to um, affirm. There's just this sense of not knowing what's going on. And I think so much in our culture today is like that. We, we just kind of don't know what, what's going on. Um, there's so much division. There's so much that has been politicized. There is so much that just tries to um, tow a certain line. And if someone says something, then, well, we just have to agree with them. We have to find another way because they just can't be right. They just can't have the information. They just can't be correct. I cannot agree with that person no matter how right they are. I just can't do it. And so that's where, where we're living today is in this kind of place where you and I have to make some very, very important decisions about the way that we live 
And a lot of those decisions that you're making have to do with your eternity. They have to do with um, the quality of life that you're living right now. They have to deal with some, some very, very big and very, very significant kind of things. And, and I think that um, the most important question in all of this is like, who, who is this Jesus and who, who is God and how, how is He working in all of this? And who can we trust to help us understand? Who can we trust to help us um, affirm the things that need affirmation in our life and, and correct the things that need to be corrected? And so this, this, this morning or this evening, whenever you're listening to this, this message um, is entitled very simply, Please Explain. <laughs> Please Explain. And what we're going to be digging into today is um, this idea of giving explanation in a world looking for affirmation. Because we tend to want our perspectives affirmed, don't we? We want to be right. Um, some people are, are, are what's referred to as right fighters. They will just always fight to be right, no matter how they're proven wrong. They're just, they're just, they're just determined that they are right, and, and, and that's it. But how do, we, how do we give explanations? When somebody comes to us and they have questions about God, they have questions about the Bible, they have questions about our faith in Jesus, and maybe they're, maybe if you're a Christian today, they're, they're asking you, um, hey, you're a Christian, how do you see all this um, pandemic um, stuff going on? What, what, from a Christian perspective, what, what does that mean? Um, when you see the racial divide that is in our country, well, as a Christian, what does that, what does that mean? How, how do you approach that? And um, so I want to look today at this passage because there's a couple questions here that are, that are asked that are very important to us. I think within this conversation that we see between Philip and the Ethiopian, I, I think that there's some things in this, in this conversation that are really helpful today in looking at a time when we need to give some explanation in a world that's looking for affirmation. And so let's dive into the text today, Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. The first thing that we notice in verses 26 through 29 is that we can be led by the Lord into divine appointments. You know, I think that that's something as a Christian that we really need to pray for. It's hard today to know when to speak up and when to remain silent. It's when to share our opinion, when to hold back. Um, when are there listening ears and when is it just like talking to a wall? So it's very hard, you know, how to, how to kind of move forward with having a positive discussion. So what I've been praying and what I'm inviting you to pray for is that God would lead you into divine appointments where a person um, is ready. The Holy Spirit has been working on their heart. The Holy Spirit has been directing their life to where He's going to bring you into their life and that you're going to have the answers to the question that they possess. I'm also going to pray that, that when you are confused and when you're needing more information, when you need something explained to you, that God would set up divine appointments in your life to bring people into your life to speak the words of either affirmation or correction, whatever is, is the case that's needed, I'm praying that God would lead you into divine appointments. Notice in verse 26, it says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that, gives, that goes down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And then here's the appointment. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. 
who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. (laughs) So the picture that most of the time we get with this is, here's this guy going down the road in his chariot, and here's um, Philip jogging up to his chariot. I I don't know, maybe Philip had some other form of of transportation. I I don't know, maybe he was riding a a donkey or a horse or uh, something. Um, I don't imagine that he had a chariot of his, of his own. Um, he probably ran up and he just starts jogging. And if you can picture this in your mind, a man jogging next to a chariot, or even in today, can you imagine somebody driving down the street and somebody else coming and jogging along their car as they, as they go down the road? And, and then this, it, this conversation ensues. And so here's the divine appointment, but we also have um, this idea of having a question-based discussion. Very important. Notice in verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? I've learned this. When there's times of tension that um, it's much better to have a discussion based on questions than it is a discussion based upon accusations. If I was to come, or Philip was to come to this, this Ethiopian, jog up alongside his chariot and say, let me tell you what you're reading. You know, that's a bit abrasive. That doesn't do anything to soften a person's heart or mind towards listening. If somebody came up to you and, and just out of the blue started a conversation with, let me tell you something, or let me tell you what, it, it's like, did I, did I ask for your opinion? Did I somehow, you know, have a, a t-shirt on that says, I feel like listening to your opinion? <laughs> no, n- not, not at all. But this is a, this beautiful question, do you understand what you're reading? And I would pose that question to all of us as we read our Bibles, as we um, read the news, as we read Facebook posts, tweets, as we look at <laughs> TikTok videos for some of us doing that kind of funny thing. Um, when you're doing all that, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're looking at? Do you understand what you're hearing? Do you understand what you're being told? See, this man, this wonderful question, this Ethiopian was moving along and he was reading out loud. He was reading out loud the, from the scroll of Isaiah, and Philip asked his question, do you understand? What a brilliant question. What a wonderful question. I think it's a question that I love being asked. Pastor, do you understand what you just said today in your message? I think I do. I hope I do. If I didn't, I shouldn't be doing, but is there something that I missed? When we give somebody a piece of advice, do we understand? Did you understand what you just asked me to do? When you're asked to support something, do you really understand what you're being asked to support? It's just just a great question. When you believe what you believe today about the division and the issues that that our culture faces, do you understand? Do, Do you understand why you should or shouldn't go somewhere? Do you understand, really understand, what you're being told? It's a great question. Glad Philip modeled that for us. And then notice in verse 31, he said, this is the Ethiopian saying back to Philip, 
Another question, how can I unless someone guides me? Such an open, honest perspective. He didn't put up a wall and say, well, of course I do, and, and, and take this, this strong stance of ignorance. He said, well, how, how can I? And really, he becomes very vulnerable at this point. He becomes very um, much like, like we are today, even though we, we don't want to kind of admit that. I think sometimes um, when we have certain things going on in our lives and, and we're, we're confused, it's very hard to admit that we're confused. It's very hard to admit that we don't understand. It's very hard to admit that maybe my beliefs are based upon a lack of information, a lack of knowledge, a lack of a, of a, of a different perspective. And maybe I'm only listening to people that would agree with me. I'm only looking for affirmation. Maybe I shut out everybody that'll disagree. I refuse to have conversations with people that I disagree with. But this man is being very vulnerable at this time, very open at this time. And he's saying, how can I unless someone guides me? Very honest, very open, transparent response to Philip. And then he invited Philip, you continue reading, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. And in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom? I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? So he's like, what's going on? Who are we talking about? What's being talked about? Is it, is it the author? Is that him? Is it someone else? It's a great question. You know, you will learn very little if you only make statements and stop asking questions. A life where you stop asking questions is a life where you're no longer learning, where you're no longer growing, where you're no longer changing, where you're no longer moving forward. I want to read to you a wonderful quote. It says this, as an informal learning strategy, dialogue is immensely effective for spiritual growth. By dialogue, I mean the interpersonal connections and exchanges among people that encourage and promote their spiritual development. See, we need dialogue, face-to-face, heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, dialogue that revolves around questions that are open, that are honest, that are transparent. We need no longer to simply hide behind screens and fire off statements that are half-baked and illogical and don't follow any pattern of reason and are just not based on any sort of evidence. Just firing off statement after statement is just widening the divide in our country, widening the divide within the church. And so we need not do that any longer, but we must dive in to these interpersonal, connected interchanges, heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, brain-to-brain, question-based honest, transparent, vulnerable conversations where we can really begin to learn and begin to grow. Now notice this next thing is very, very key, very important. It is this. Number three, begin your explanation at the current 
location. You, you have to get this down. See, you, you have to do this in order to have any sort of real dialogue or conversation. Notice verse 35 says this, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this Scripture. You see, he went right to where this Ethiopian was. The question was based upon this passage out of Isaiah, and he started right there. So, what do, what do we learn from this? If we're going to start the explanation, dive into the dialogue, exactly where the question lies. So, if I come to you and I ask you a specific question, if I say to you, is it wrong to A? Is it wrong to A? You fill in that A. You use whatever you want. Is it wrong to it doesn't help me if you say, well, if it's wrong to A, well, what about B? What about C? What about D? What about them? What about her? What about these people? What about this action? What about? And we start bringing out all these different things that are either related or unrelated, and we never deal with exactly what the question is. So if my wife asks me, honey, did you take out the trash? Did you do the dishes? Do you see what I'm saying? We just use this kind of dialogue back and forth. We don't really answer the question. We don't really deal with the issue. We are constantly bringing up all sorts of other things. So, honey, did you take out the trash? No. I'll do it right now. Or, no, because I forgot, or I don't want to, or it doesn't smell bad enough yet. But we must have these kinds of, we must start and just stay right there. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy listening to academic debates, because I can get two very intelligent, smart, informed people that have done research, hopefully, <laughs> sitting or standing behind lecterns or sitting in chairs together. There'll be a central question. One gets to speak, the other gets to speak. Then they get to address one another. There's questions and answer in a dialogue period, but if it's done right... <laughs> they will stay on topic. If it's done wrong, it's just a disaster. Um, or, by the way, um, I really wish that we would do that sort of thing when it comes time to voting for our next president, that maybe if some of the issues, let's just take taxes for one, and they just had a discussion just on taxes, and each one got to give their plan and their perspective and their goals, and then they got to answer questions from one another, they got to respond to one another. They got to receive questions from the audience. And we really got to dive in on what these men believed in this case, or maybe in future years, a woman, what she or he may believe. And we could really dive in instead of what, what we get today, is, 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 is my opinion, um, doesn't help us make a wise decision, does it? Um, I wish we can really focus in on topics without people bringing up unrelated or quasi-related um, issues, because it just doesn't feel like we're getting anywhere when we're just seeking affirmation, and then when we don't get it, we bring about all these yeah buts and all these different things, and we just get in this volley back and forth of, of accusations and opinions, and it, it just becomes a disaster, and no one really grows from that at all, and no progress is ever made through those kinds of dialogues. We, we then move forward in the text to verses 36 through 39, where we see what we all hope to see. We see that sometimes if we have these conversations, you just might get a wonderful decision. 
when we're really dialoguing about Jesus, when we're really answering solid questions that people have about our faith in Jesus and why we follow Jesus and how that works and and why we do the things that we do, why it's so important to us to do what we do in following Jesus in the midst of this culture that is having these problems and doing these things. What What do we do as a Christian people? How do we follow Jesus in this? Notice this person's response, this Ethiopian. He says, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. So somewhere Peter started in in Isaiah, and Peter probably moved all the way through, and Peter talked all about John the Baptist, and Peter talked about Jesus, and Peter talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he came in, and this man is now saying, well, here's some water. I want to believe in Jesus. I I accept your explanation of my question. You have become the guide for me in this. I needed a guide because I couldn't understand. I had worshiped God. I had done my thing. I was reading. I was confused. I didn't understand. There was a divine appointment. You asked me a question that softened my heart and allowed me to be vulnerable. And then in this last instance, in this last place, this man says, what prevents me from being baptized? Is there anything that prevents me from coming into faith in Jesus Christ? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. This man was leaving a time of worship where he was confused and reading and reading and thinking, who is this? What is going on? God has a divine appointment. There's a dialogue that ensues. Open, honest, question-based not seeking affirmation, but seeking to learn. And here in the end, he goes away rejoicing. Oh, that people would go away from conversations with you and I rejoicing because we've handled ourselves well. We've handled ourselves in a way that listens, that focuses on the real questions that are asked, and that people would go away rejoicing. So, what do we... How do we sum this up? I just want to sum it up in this way and then I'll quit. I challenge you and me and myself very much in this is that we would affirm people's value, their importance, and their significance. We would affirm those things while answering their questions that move them forward in understanding. You see? that move them forward in understanding, that even if we would say to someone that we believe that they're wrong, that they're misguided, that they're, they're missing some information, that their perspective is skewed, if we disagree with someone in any way, whoever we disagree with, even though we will not affirm their belief system, even though we will not affirm maybe their perspective on some things, maybe we won't affirm their actions or their attitudes or their words, but we will always affirm their value, their importance, and their significance. Because that is rooted in the fact that they are created beings of God. That is rooted in their sense of who, as a human being. Because they are human, they are valuable, they are significant, they are important. Even if they see things totally different than you, 
even if they hate your absolute guts, even if they shout at you, scream at you, blame you for everything, they're human beings. And because they're human, they are valuable, they are important, and they are significant. And when we affirm those things, we now build a relationship of love and concern in which in the context of that relationship, we can seek to learn and to grow. We can seek to have dialogue, we can have question-based dialogues. God can open up divine appointments for people because guess what? If you don't love and value people, if you don't find humanity significant, God is not going to set divine appointments for you to speak into the lives of people that you don't value. Just won't do it. God is looking for people that will value each other as human, no matter if it's Democrat or Republican, white, black, brown, or something else. No matter what our sexual orientation, no matter what our hang-up is, God wants us to value humanity. And don't put words in my mouth. When I say value humanity, I'm not saying that everyone is correct. That is shutting off our brains. That, that is ignoring reality. That is simply an unlivable position to take that everyone's right. That is unlivable. But when we value each other and we respect one another, we find each other significant, we can then have a place of dialogue where we can say, I do disagree with you. I do think that you're wrong. I do think that you need to change. I do think that you need correction, but while at the same time ourselves being open to the same. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We know, Lord, that um, many people are confused today, and many people lack understanding today, myself included. And Lord, we're all asking you, what do we do? (laughs) Father, we ask today for wisdom. We ask for wisdom to make good, sound decisions that will be the best for us individually and for our families and for our churches and our communities. We ask, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to give the affirmation that is needed, but also the correction that is needed. We ask, Lord, that we would not always go around seeking to be affirmed, that we, but we would be seeking to, to learn and to grow. And where we should be affirmed, I pray that we are. Where we need to be corrected and changed, I pray that we are. And I pray that all that work is done through your setting of divine appointments for us in our lives. Either we are to speak to people and help them along, or we are to receive the help as individuals. We love you. We pray for good things ahead. We know, Lord, that you have divine appointments set for us. And Father, we want to walk in those. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you guys next time.